Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album and more every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And today, today, we have some select live performances from the Emancipation Era. We sure do. Who made yeah. these selections oh, that'd that be, you speak of? That'd be you. Uh, also Prince. That's true. He did choose <laughs> what right. songs to play. <laughs> I just chose what songs to listen to. <laughs> That's right. But he also chose what songs he was going to put on the NYC Live single. That is true. Which included Jam of the Year and Face Down from live performance, which we'll talk about, in New York City. Right. Imagine that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) He he named it NYC Live. Uh Uh-huh. It's a show in New York City. Yeah, he didn't record it in Omaha, Nebraska. That's right. That would be weird. It would be weird. (laughs) Yep. And then we have some select songs from the January 19th, 1997 Love for One Another Charities concert tour in Atlanta. So that preceded the actual Emancipation tour, but there was a lot of overlap. Yeah, it was almost like rehearsals and smaller venues, um, and that was billed, like you said, as Love for One Another Charities Tour, and that evolved into the Jam of the Year Tour, same band, bigger arenas, you know, giant comeback tour, essentially. Much longer lead times for buying tickets and stuff, because I think like the January... Atlanta show, like tickets were on sale like less than two weeks before. It was very, very close together. Yeah. So. And it was like two or 3,000 seat venues compared to 12,000 and more for right. the Jam of the Year tour. Exactly. And then we have a single song from the one after show that you and I were able to attend in person. We only got to do that once. Correct. Which was great. In our lifetime. In our lifetime. It was super fun, but it was mostly uh, Dougie Fresh. Mm -hmm. It was the band, but it was mostly an opportunity for Dougie Fresh to perform and hype the crowd. Mm -hmm. And it was in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, so we're going to listen to one song from that. We've already listened to it. Let's be honest. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about what we listen to. So that our audience might hear it. That's what the the soul of the podcast is all about, really. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we are uh, deep. We're like on the final stretch of our emancipation mm-hmm. coverage. Yep. I meant to look before we sat down to see when we started. So just to recap a little bit and back up slightly, this is, I cannot believe this, episode 10 of our coverage of emancipation, which... To be fair, we broke each of the three discs of the album into two episodes per, right. which I think was wise, Think I, looking back on it. It made me much happier to prepare for them <laughs> and to edit them. Great. Then it obviously made me happier <laughs> uh, by default also. So yeah, we had six episodes covering the three discs of Emancipation. Yes. We did a remix episode and we've done a couple episodes looking at interviews yes. during the era. Yeah. Well, it was remixes and videos I think we yes. did together, right? Then a couple of interview/TV performance episodes. Mhm. And here we are now just some other live coverage. Right. A la carte 
a la carte. That's right. Because, I mean, we obviously, it would take us more than a lifetime to cover every live performance. Actually, maybe it might take us, at our rate, it would take us more than a lifetime to cover every live performance of this tour. This is true. So I'd like to not die doing this (laughs) (laughs) as much as I enjoy it. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. (laughs) But first we're going to talk about today these live performances that were released as a single. Correct. Which is interesting because they were released on January 31st, 1997 via 1-800-NEW-FUNK. Now, they were sold at Jam of the Year shows, so that, those were basically the only two ways that you could get it, because mm-hmm. EMI had basically all but folded. Yep. And so they were doing no more promotion. It was up to Prince to do all of the promotion. He, he wanted this, and then he partnered with somebody to help to yeah. distribute and help him promote, and then uh, they still let him do everything basically. Yeah. The least tragic of the things that got in the way of this album, but yes, but yet another layer of Mm -hmm. something in the way, a challenge. Yep. So the songs on this single were recorded at the love for one another charities tour stop on January 11th, 1997. This was the show at the Roseland Ballroom that took place just after the interview with Chris Rock that we talked about last episode. Correct. Yeah, I didn't realize that this, uh, credit to Prince Vault, this was the first Prince audio release contained live versions. Right. To contain live versions of songs that were previously released. Right, super cool. Like before that, he may have had live versions of songs, but that was the official released version. Yeah. The only official released version. Yeah, and very important to designate audio release cuz obviously there had been a Love Sexy right laser disc VHS thing. <laughs> uh-huh. There was the Sign of the Times concert tour, there was the Syracuse concert from the Purple Rain tour, right? All that were released uh, well before this, right? But those included video components. This was like an audio single live uh-huh. thingy, right? Of songs that were on an album, right? Yes, um, it was only released on cassette, which we, is very like nineteen ninety. I think it was cheap. Yeah. Well, it was cheap to make, but not cheap to buy. No, because it was like twenty bucks. Twenty dollars in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. So that's for what, two songs. More than a quarter century ago, for mm-hmm. two songs that repeated on each side of the tape. I think I looked it up. It was like the equivalent of like forty five dollars now, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of positioned like a bootleg, also. Yes. So that was kind of sort of. You know, the little experiment and the fun there. Right. Yeah. The art was very bootleggish, and then it had fourth generation bootleg, but all good yeah. on the front. Yeah. So, I mean, to his credit, Prince is thinking, you know, I know that fans are, you know, paying 30 bucks for a live recording of my stuff. Uh-huh. Let me get on, on the action. That's right. And so we did. That's right. Somewhere in this home, there is a... NYC cassette. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know where it is, but it's around. It is here. Because we had one, have one. Mm-hmm. It starts off with these kind of 
fun throwback spacey synth keys that I thought was really fun. Like the orchestras warming up. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Did we mention... Oh, yeah. You did mention the Rosalind venue? Yes. I did look up this place. I was like, where where is this? Yeah. It closed in like 2012, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 2014 it closed. Oh, okay. And Lady Gaga did a residency there before closing, and she was the last one to perform there before it closed. that's pretty cool. That was a kind of a cool... uh, a uh, note about the venue, and it was let's literally not just closed, but gone, replaced by a 62-story apartment tower. Okay. So yes, some uh, kind of warming up the crowd. Stuff's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a fun song to start a concert mm-hmm. with. It is way better, and this is not going to be an uncommon comment by me on this podcast, but so much better live. Yes. Than on the record. Yes. And that might just be my own personal preference because of the like production style of Emancipation. It's very smooth. It's mm-hmm. kind of even the fast songs are kind of laid back. Right. Uh, there's not much li- laid back about Prince live. No, there is not. And it's super great with Rosie Gaines and her super powerful vocals coupled with Prince doing this. A kind of altered calling out NYC. It's so fun. It's now very we should enjoyable. be clear. It's not right. Rosie's not part of the band, right? So it's, it's a, a sample. Yes, but the sample used really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It is. Just right up front, in my opinion, a much better concert opener than an album opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know why he named it NYC. Right. Because that's the first that's thing you hear. Yes. Right. Yeah. I love how he says, people, people, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're the cool kids. Everybody. Everybody who's anybody is here. People, people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like. This is this is the cool place to be. Congratulations, you're one of the cool kids. Yeah, or he's gathered with the you're you're the in crowd. That's I right. I think is what you get from that. So uh also think it's of note that on the album version he sings this song almost entirely in falsetto. Uh-huh. Live, it's nearly speak sung. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets a little <clears throat> shouty. He's shouty on a lot of these. I yeah. mean that's not uncommon either, but I mean, you do have a microphone and your right. voice is amplified. Y- yes, but it's also... It's hype. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's easy to get shouty in that kind of environment. For so sure. Um, he's got his own vocal sampled also, mm-hmm. pre-recorded to back up his live performance. I think, you know, the band is live, Prince's mic is live, but it's certainly all augmented right? with other samples of... Prince's own voice and Rosa Gaines's voice. Mm-hmm. I love that he says we're going to do too much tonight. I think he says we ain't going to do too much tonight. Oh, I because thought he, he said we're going to do too much tonight. Like it mm. is. No, I'm then I'm, we heard it different because I was like, oh, that's awesome. We're going to do too much. Like we are going to be so over the top, and you are just going to love this. 
We're talking about a two minute and 22 second mark, which I'm sure Christy yes. will uh, splice in here. That's right. What I what I heard was we ain't gonna do too much tonight oh. except f it all up because oh. he follows it up with f it all up oh, like, okay. as an aside okay. and then there's a little keyboard solo while he does that right Morris Hayes mm-hmm. yeah yes and oh the, we should mention the band yes who dat yes so uh, Morris Hayes is on keyboard correct and then we get a drum feature as well with Kirky J Kirk Johnson right. Yeah, we will. We'll let Prince introduce the band himself later on in the episode. Why not? Sure. Uh, he says, "Freedom is a beautiful thing." Freedom is a beautiful thing. And then he says, "This is a promotion of nothing except love." This is a promotion of nothing except love. Love for one another. Well, I think it's important to remember this was a charity, you know, event. It was. So, but yeah, of course, the concert is a promotion. I mean, it's a promotion of emancipation, but it's also a promotion of the charity. It's a charity event that... Except love. And the charity is love for one one another. I know, and he says that. Except love, love for one another. Mm -hmm. I know, but it's like you're promoting something. He, But he was very into... Like trying to say something was not the thing that it was at this time. My name change is not about anything to do with the record label. It's all about my internal feelings. Well, we know that's not exactly true. This might be a promotion of the love for one another charity, but it is a promotion of more than just love because he's rising visibility of the charity and also you know he's got a album to promote this is a hole he dug for himself i do understand but i think that that's a nice way of saying right what everybody knew that this was meant to raise money for his charity yes um and so his way of saying that is we're here to promote love we're not here to promote an album in this case even though maybe they're not Mutually exclusive. You can have one and the other. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah, there's a really raw delivery. Very fun, especially in verse two. Give me a drummer and a funky bass line. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Oh, yep. And yeah, then he uh, kind of screams it almost at three right. minutes and forty eight yeah. seconds. Give me a drummer and a funky bass line. what i really like about hearing him get a little screamy at concerts a little yelly at concerts is that even after all this time doing live performances he can still get hyped up and excited about doing it he feeds off the crowd and it's an energizing situation mm-hmm. for him as well. It's like it hasn't gotten old to him and i think that that really comes through when he gets that way in concert and i just i find it so endearing yeah especially this one with a long process to record and put together 36 songs Mm -hmm. uh the whole divorce from warner brothers the distribution deal which was new a new thing you know his personal life 
And now here we are, January of 1997, kicking off a tour, and it all seems very new and exciting to him. And he's like in control. This is what he wants to do. He doesn't have a record company telling him, you got to go out and promote this. Right. It's like his own personal mission. Right. Yeah. He calls for that funky guitar, and I think Kat Dyson gives oh, us yeah. some there. Yeah. Oh, which yeah. Is very because fun. she's playing the funky bass line. Mm-hmm. Dyson! And then it's kind of got this seamless blend into face down. But we know that that is editing because they were not played back to back in concert. Right. It's not like he played Jam of the Year and then went into face down. They pulled some crowd noise to merge them together. Yeah. This is why we should not have been surprised with how One Night Alone live was put together right with multiple concert performances right basically the same order of how songs were played but you had Indianapolis and Washington DC and they were blended together to make it sound like a single listening experience and that's sort of a mini version of what we got here which to the bootleggers credit probably wouldn't have flown people would have been real pissed if you had paid 40 bucks for a bootleg CD of bunch of clips of stuff that they blended together you want to just hear what happened but this i kind of get that it's a it's like a two song single Mm -hmm. and just kind of made to be a single experience between the two songs yeah just fine yeah it's totally fine uh very long face down performance Mm -hmm. eight minutes and 26 seconds yeah i would say it's sort of long because prince has a little trouble getting it started or fans to have trouble yes. getting started. At like 23 seconds, he shouts, Dion? Do you know who Dion is? Dead like Elvis! Face down! At where? 26 seconds? 23 seconds. I heard, I heard a Dion. Maybe I misheard it. But it sounded like Dion to me. I'm like, who's Dion? I went and looked at the Prince Vault. I'm like, Nobody named Dion on the stage. Not appearing in my notes Mm. this episode. I'm sorry. Yeah, you get the the beat, Dead Like Elvis, Uh Prince's voice. Again, a sample of him saying face down. I mean, it seems to me like most of the background of this is pre-recorded, sampled stuff. There are live elements on top of it. But some of what he says later on in this episode makes you maybe roll your eyes a little bit at a performance where... I would say half of what you hear is, you know, somebody hitting a button. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. As long as the what's live is there and it, the mm-hmm. background stuff has a reason for being there. Me too. I yeah. only I only pointed out because of his own oh. words later on. Uh-huh. Okay. But um, yeah, yeah Prince, he tries to talk to the crowd, right? But he just can't. He can't do it. <laughs> he has to play. His bass guitar, but That's he does right, offer an apology each well, time. Well, he is very matter-of-fact. We like to rock. And then, oh, wait a minute. And then the bass goes. We like to rock. Oh, wait a minute. And then, we'd like to get you in on this little sing-along. It's just two words. Face down. He so loved to make kinda... simple sing-alongs. Two mm-hmm. words. We'd like to get you to get in on this little sing-along. It's just That's two like words. Elvis. Face down. Uh, face down. That's right. And then we think that we're about to get some insight into the song. 
This song is about. Oh Lord, wait a minute. This song is. Like With he's more just, bass guitar. Yeah, and he's just he's, too distracted. He's it's giving so fun. you a dramatic reading of the story <laughs> that Morris Hayes has told about his curse out of a critic, which uh-huh. turned into the song. And right. Prince is acting it out, uh-huh. but can't get past his own internal need to play the bass guitar. Uh-huh. Yes. It is very amusing. Uh-huh. It is quite funny. It's uh, This whole song is a dedication to the nefarious people who've been around in his life. No man needs a ruler tonight. Tomorrow, no man needs a ruler as long as he's on the blank face of this earth. This song is dedicated to all the motherfuckers that want to rule you. Dead like Elvis. No man needs a ruler tonight. No man needs a ruler tomorrow. I love that he blanks out himself yeah. there, yeah. but he's previously, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, gone all the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, we just get more bits of this diatribe that's interrupted by guitars. I love Funny Prince. Yeah, it's, it's a good so like, endearing. two and a half minutes yeah. of toying with you and setting up the song to a degree, uh-huh. but also lots of improv. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, like uh, he wants to get the crowd involved doing whatever, you know, S- slap your neighbor, yep. shake your, you know, you know do something. <laughs> yeah. Dead like Elvis. When we get this groove on, I want everybody doing something. Dead I don't like care Elvis. what you do. Dead like Elvis. Slap your neighbor. He just wants people to not be sitting there as if they with their were. arms crossed. Right. I know. It's looking, not happening. Looking over their reading glasses at him. <laughs> <laughs> the only people I've ever seen at a show who looked that way, who weren't like into it were dressed inappropriately for the weather and standing real still because they were bootleggers. <laughs> they had their long trench coat uh-huh. and trying to get as close to the front as possible. That's right. They're just they're just trying to make a living, man. <laughs> just trying to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. Get a long turnaround to kick off the song. Mm-hmm. And then Prince urges the band to do it. Get the song takes off with the Claire Fisher string samples, and you know it's loud. It's real loud. Mm-hmm. This song is um, makes a great sing along because there's really not much of a chorus to begin with. It no. is truly simply two words. <laughs> yeah, face down. Face down. But he does say "bury me face down" at one point. Okay. Which is kind of fun. And then you think it's come to the end because there's thunder, right? But then the bass comes in 
And he gets everybody involved in play that MF and bass. Oh, yes. Super, super fun. just uh, like glorious because it becomes this refrain from the crowd it's just it's so much fun you can feel what it feels like to be there live when you're listening to this yep you really can um even then the play that mf baths chant when it starts Uh at about five minutes and 42 seconds you can hear Rhonda smith laugh Uh uh-huh uh probably enjoying watching him uh play and prince prince whispers come on the band starts up again, uh-huh. which is super fun. And you get another false start, false stop at five minutes and uh, like 20 seconds. I don't know. He's on the one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you that's still the one get I'm talking about. Face down. Yeah. Yeah. And he, Prince is playing the bass guitar like an electric guitar between the chants uh-huh. at like five minutes and 47 seconds. Super, super fun. Yeah. And we get more guitars that join the bass at like seven minutes and 24 yeah, I seconds. Mean, it keeps getting louder and louder and, and louder. Louder and more yeah. fun and more enjoyable. And <laughs> then we finally get a real like end. He calls for the end on the one, and we get thunder. And he shouts for New York and a fun Ottawa. Yep. Ottawa! New York! Yeah, he meant it that time. Yeah. When he said on the one. Yeah. And it's over. And then, but then, like a. Just a glorious, glorious thing when you can flip your tape over and just keep playing. Uh It's right there. That's right. And it was time to match it so there was no extra blank space at the end of one side of the tape. Uh Uh-huh. Or you had auto reverse. Yeah, you didn't even have to take the tape out. That was like in the car, right? In your car. Oh, I had a boombox that did it. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember the car, car where you put the cassette in sideways and it would auto reverse. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. CDs couldn't do that. Oh, you could repeat. Whatever. <laughs> so um, that was the uh, that was an official release, even though it's mm-hmm. kind of like marketed as a bootleg for fun. And then just to touch on the live performances during you know ninety six ninety seven, I took it upon myself to yes. pick my favorite jam of the year tour uh, stop, which is also like this one. A love for one a chari- love for one another charity tour. The venue was Atlanta Live. Like Atlanta Live, yeah, I know it was live in Atlanta. That was like the uh-huh. name of the venue. Yeah, um, had a capacity of Atlanta Live had a capacity of twenty five hundred. So another mm-hmm. relatively small venue on the nineteenth of January, nineteen ninety seven. That's right. If you look at the set list for this show, it's very very similar to the full set list of the Roseland stop in yes. New York City. So it kicked off with Jam of the Year, but to me, we've already heard that. Sure. So I skipped that one, and I went to song number two. Okay. Which is Talking Loud and Saying Nothing. Yeah, a favorite of Prince's to cover. It was from James Brown, 1972 album. There it is. 
So I asked myself, I should probably explain. Hey, Josh, why don't you explain why'd you choose that each uh-huh. time we have a little stop right, along the tour? Because we're not covering the entire concert. Nah. So why'd I choose it? Well, Prince mentioned Aretha Franklin and James Brown in interviews throughout this era. So I thought it's only right that we listen to him have fun with a cover of a James Brown song. Excellent. And we've heard Jam of the Year live already also. Right. Yep, he intros the band. He does an Atlanta shout out. Oh, yes. Which is great. It's always fun to be able to identify. Yeah, it's like uh, time stamped by Prince himself. Mm-hmm. And the he's got a very fun band cue that we hear wait a minute it's, i always love it when his band cues are recognizable like oh yeah yeah that listen means, to enough live shows that now like, that yeah yeah you know what you know what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> are y'all just gonna make noise and things <laughs> He calls Cat Dyson, not Cat, but Dyson. Right. Which I think is nice because he's already had a cat in his band before. Right. So he asks her, you know what we say about that, don't you? And that's where we get the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know what we say about that, don't you? does intro everybody in uh-huh. this so we get mike scott is on the guitar mike did lots of work with jimmy jam and terry lewis before this mm-hmm. and he'd work he worked for them for like 12 years as a studio musician. Okay. So he worked with lots of different artists, but he toured with Prince pretty extensively from 1996 to 2001, again in 2004 for musicology. He was at the Welcome to Chicago shows in 2012. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. We saw him on stage during the musicology stop here mm-hmm. in San Antonio also. Yeah. This song also made me start to appreciate Kirk Johnson as a live drummer on songs yeah. like this, too. Like, I think he is not my least favorite Prince drummer, but oh. I do think he's a little underappreciated. I sure. think, um, you know, the start as a whatever security and then part of the Game Boys. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think that he kind of has a tarnished, you know, musical reputation. A little better, underappreciated, also like for his closeness to Prince during the last part of his life and sure. that kind of stuff. Um, but I just wanted to give Kirk J a little shout out. He's more than a remixer or um, producer. Mm-hmm. He's a skilled musician. Yeah, and he didn't join the Prince camp as that. And so I think people tend to not think of him as a musician. But I mean, if you listen to this, he's does a... Amazing job. Really great. Yep. Uh, Prince inquired about what was happening outside that day. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out what newsworthy thing. He says it. He says, um, oh, the lookalike contest. The, there's a that's lookalike was, contest going That's what on. it was. That was fun. What was going on outside here today? They said they had a 
And he asks if there are any queens in the house. Any queens in the house? And I'm like, hmm, that's kind of fun because he's asking about women. True. Maybe people dressed in drag. Yep. So eh, it's both kind of fun. He might have seen some outside the venue. Yeah. The part that I didn't understand, he intros Morris Hayes. He calls, speaking of queens, uh-huh. and he calls Morris something <laughs> that I can't understand. No, uh-uh. Up on organ, um, and Morris Hayes gets a few moments to shine. Sure. Then he's back to Cat Dyson and asks, uh-huh. what do you think of that, Dyson? <laughs> he said his piece. That's what Cat <laughs> says. They both aren't very impressed with um, the boys. Uh-huh. What do you think of that, Dyson? I don't know. urges her to just do her thing. Uh-huh. He says, I don't want you to act like them. Do what you do. Don't change, because it's funky. Uh-huh. And her bit is a little bit buried. Oh, well, I mean, again, it's this just, is an audience recording. Right. And yeah. Yeah, it's not like it was mixed from the soundboard. Oh, no, no. Not at all. No, no. Some dude in a trench coat, or some gal in a trench coat, <laughs> or some queen in a trench coat. <laughs> Trent. I think Prince kind of nods at the crowd. Thank you for letting us mess around like this by saying you don't mind y'all don't mind if we do this do you y'all don't mind if we do this do you y'all don't mind if we do this do you I always find it so funny and charming when he asks if the crowd minds if they're gonna do the thing that they're there to do it's just many of the rhetorical questions mm-hmm. that Prince would ask in concerts, such as, you want to go home? Yeah. <laughs> you mind if we do this? Uh-huh. Y'all all right? Uh-huh. Yeah. I could go on. Uh-huh. So that was sort of like a band introduction up at the front of a concert stop. He then performed Purple Rain. I think he kind of covered this in his uh, interview with Oprah, was it, maybe, when he asked, when she asked, "What is there a song that you enjoy playing or you know and he's recognized purple rain and even though he may not want to play it uh-huh he, he understands he understands like this is something i gotta do people expect this and i should give it to him yeah that Aww. is why we skipped it here <laughs> personally i've heard purple rain enough times that uh-huh. i don't if you told me that i could never hear it again i think it would be okay not because i'm tired of it it's an awesome song right but it's like asking if I, I don't know. You can listen to do, it in your head anytime you want. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. Like literally you could sit and hear the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. From start to finish, note for note. That's right. Yeah. Or you could play it on your phone and put headphones in and then ask me to sing parts of it and I'd probably be within a second uh-huh. of right on time. Right. I don't know how much o- more overplayed of an example I could I could think of. Sure. 
no problem with it. I just wasn't going to cover it live here. Sure. Instead, we'll, we'll get to it eventually. Oh, yeah, don't worry. Wait, that's Maybe that's why we haven't covered Purple Rain yet. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. After Purple Rain, though, he jumps into a nice surprise, a B-side mm-hmm. from Purple Rain, 17 Days. Yep, B-side to Wind Up's Cry. So you might ask, why did I choose it? And I might tell you, 17 Days Live. It never got enough concert time. It's like one of his, I mean, B-sides from 1982 to 1988, probably some of the greatest gems in Prince's career, mm-hmm. um, should be considered part of the album to me. You just had to like do a little extra work to get it. Yeah. 17 Days could have been on the album or on something right. from Purple Rain, but was not. So yeah, you like you said, it was the B-side to When Doves Cry. I did not realize that 17 Days was the first song to be credited to Prince and the Revolution. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I love that the keyboards are super crucial to the song, mm-hmm. and they're just a little bit buried, which ju- it's just, I don't know, what about it is, j- it's perfection. Oh, yeah. It's so great. Yeah, it's very dependent on that too i mean the drums the little like weird guitar that happens in the background and the keyboard Uh right i mean it's the the melody being played by the instruments and it's crucial and to bury it just a little yeah it's just oh yeah and you can tell everybody knew what it was right yes yeah and it was Uh also I read on Prince Vault that um, had its first public airing in April 1984. Prince brought a tape of it to First Avenue and played it there. So this is another like little relatively small venue is playing it live, mm-hmm. of course, not on tape. Right. But I thought that was kind of a fun fact. And I always wonder when I'm listening to live show performances and there's no video, what's happening on yeah. stage when there's a random rise in cheers? Yeah. Like, I know something happened. I don't know what it was, but at like 38 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Could be like, Prince uh, put, like, picked up a guitar. Uh-huh. Prince put on a hat. Yeah. He took off sunglasses. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He that could be. Shook his butt. Who knows? Yeah. That's part of the mystery of listening to bootleg. That's right. That's part of the fun. It is. I'd like to kindly direct your attention to some serious rhythm guitar playing and from a minute 22 to a minute 37 seconds. Mm-hmm. Super fun. Yeah. And some classic ooh, ooh, call-outs mm-hmm. at about two minutes into the song. And you mentioned earlier that he calls out Atlanta. He goes next level up here mm-hmm. to Georgia. Yeah, the whole state. The whole dang state. two mm-hmm. minutes and nine seconds and there's a guitar solo there and a lot of times during these shows it might be hard to you might think that it's prince always playing guitar and yeah, i think it not. is here okay 
but often it's Mike Scott with a guitar solo, especially if Prince is busy mm-hmm. somewhere else. Right. But I believe that that's Prince with a guitar solo okay. at two minutes and nine seconds. Yeah, he warns him he's about to get his groove on. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two minutes and 28 seconds. The song transformed like there's a little break mm-hmm. and some more keyboards. And if you know Get Your Groove On, the mm-hmm. album version, then you would recognize it. But Prince basically tells them yeah. what's coming. Right. Right. So you might ask, why did I choose it? Oh, what? Why would I choose Get Your Groove On? Because it's so great live. Mm -hmm. It was already, I believe, it was my mountain from disc one of Emancipation. And I wish that there were more songs like it. It's sort of evergreen. Even like Get Your Groove On is sort of a, it's a dated colloquialism, I guess you could say. Right. um, It's still, that's what makes it fun. Right. It's like soul music from the late 90s and Prince has his own little earth, wind, and fire moment with it, which I thought it was great and mm-hmm. it's even better live and it's full of fun and it didn't get a lot of live play after this tour. Sure. And it's, again, he's excited by the audience because he is pretty shouty, mm-hmm. but it works so well yeah, in the song. Yeah, and the, another song that's falsetto on the album mm-hmm. and he doesn't really even touch falsetto right singing it live here which is also cool to hear mm-hmm. so fun to hear the madhouse six mm-hmm. i wondered if you would catch here. it because we oh, have yeah. covered mm-hmm. madhouse Six seconds, so I very vividly remember this being played at the uh-huh. Jam of the Year tour that we saw uh-huh. in San Antonio. And Prince grabs the guitar or right. purple axe, whatever it was, uh-huh. and he was on stage. So that's him playing the oh, Madhouse Six part so on fun. keyboard. Yeah, and that is why I think it's Mike Scott with the guitar solo at two minutes and twelve seconds. Okay, doesn't sound like Prince's style. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can check me on that, or just play it and let people figure out what it is. That's right. They can hear fun guitar playing no matter who played it. So. Exactly. Everybody gets a little turn here. We, I think it's Mike Scott with a guitar at 2 minutes and 12 seconds. Rhonda Smith gets a bass solo mm. at 2 minutes and 29 seconds. <clears throat> More six. More six. Prince on the keyboard or guitar. And again... More solid drumming by Kirk Johnson around three minutes and 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a well done. really like wonderfully complicated pattern that he's yeah. playing there. Yep. 
And the band is tight, like they hit tight. everything, and it's tight, a little tight. unexpected, and nobody misses a mark. It's no. pretty, pretty fun. Yep. So now we'll fast forward through a few songs. Um, at this show, they perform The Most Beautiful Girl in the World. Put it right up there with Purple Rain for me. For sure. Um, as far as like, I'm, it's fine. I, I'm not searching for a reason to listen to the song. Again. Sure. Um, also Face Down, which we've already covered. He performed The Cross. Mm-hmm. And then into One of Us. The Joan Osborne cover. Mm-hmm. From her 1995 album, Relish. Prince dedicates the song to Dr. Martin Luther King. He does. Yeah, I looked up, was it actually Martin Luther King Jr. Day on the 19th of January? So it was the eve. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day Eve. Okay. And they were performing. So it must have been a Sunday night then. Right, because it's yeah. a Monday. Right. In the spirit of emancipation, this next song is dedicated to the Dr. Martin Luther King. Whose birthday and life we should celebrate every day. What do you think? Yeah, so he dedicates it to him. Also, why'd I choose it? Yes. Um, because I thought the cover was fine and on the album. Um, I think it's much better live than on record. It rocks more. It seems more sincere to me. Like the change to just a slave like one of us seems a little less forced live than on record where he just had to make this change to bend it to... Uh Yeah, that's what a cover is, I know, so that's fine. It was like meh, maybe you know borderline cringy to me right. on record, but I think live it has a whole different feel. Sure, and uh, he encourages the audience to sing along and says, "If you don't know the words, then hug somebody." I thought he said poke somebody. Oh. You know the words to this, please say. Now, hug somebody. I heard hug somebody. Man, we we hear different we things. We do hear different I hear, things. I hear poke somebody, and he laughs a little bit, too. Uh-huh. Oh, that's why I thought you would laugh. Hug somebody if you don't know him. Yeah, if you don't know he, the lyrics, hug somebody who does. It's like if, if, you don't know the, if you don't know the song, you better ask somebody. Oh. That's usually what he says. <laughs> okay. And he kind of chuckles at himself here, so I don't know. Yeah. Hug or poke, you could do them both. Mm-hmm. That's right. Lots of pre-recorded vocals in the background here, but Prince's lead vocals are great and urgent mm-hmm. um, and really well done. That's right. The guitars over the chorus are mm-hmm. really top-notch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the background singers, I think they must be... Uh, pre-recorded with the ooze. Oh, yeah. Um, but they so almost function like another instrument, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite nice. I'm not totally convinced that it's not Prince doing those background pre-recordings that sure. are, uh, could sound female. Right. think that um, we get a nice Prince guitar solo at three minutes and eight seconds that's pretty faithful to the version on the album. Mm-hmm. 
enjoy at three minutes and 50 seconds before the chorus how he says, yeah. Oh. There's like this kind of Rise falling, yeah, like rising into the chorus that um, seems very improvisational and like he's enjoying himself a lot. Before that, he kind of rushes through the heaven and Jesus and saints and prophets bit, mm-hmm. but it's not in a way like he's just trying to get past it, but it's kind of like that he says that there's a, a lot to rectify in your understanding of God if you would be willing to see his face. Like, yeah. It's like a different cadence. He's just delivering it a different Yeah, but it doesn't seem like when he rushes through, it almost seems like he'd be trying to get past it, but he's not. It's Mm -hmm. just there's a more urgency to it. I thought it was that really, Mm -hmm. again, the difference between a live performance and the recorded performance is you get a little bit more of that emotional connection to it. And it's also never the same, right? I mean, that's the same. You could say the same of any artist, but I think with Prince especially, like the intonations and a different delivery. He understood his own music, including if it wasn't music he wrote. He understood it so well, and he knew what his band was going to do so well that it gave him actually more freedom to do different things Uh uh, because he knew his band could follow. Right. And they understood you know, hand signals or a nod or a wink or something that would extend a portion that he would handle in a unique way, depending on what was going on. Mm-hmm. That's what made it so great to be at a concert. Yep. Um, we get a nice little guitar solo. The song ends and then he performs songs that we're not covering from Doomy baby, sexy MF. If I was your girlfriend, the ride, how come you don't call me anymore? Take me with you. Raspberry beret. Mr. Happy and a combination of actually Mr. Happy and 18 and over. Mm-hmm. And then we land on Johnny. Yes. Six minutes and 23 seconds. And before I answer what I know you're wondering, why did I choose this? I have to ask, had you, did you remember this song? Had you heard this song before? We have not covered We're, this album yet. No, we have not covered Gold N from 1993 from the New Power Generation. No, I was not very familiar with this outrageously dirty song. (laughs) Outrageously dirty. I am outraged. (laughs) Uh, No, I am not outraged. (laughs) I remember playing this some for you, and you were not a fan of any of this music off of uh, this album in 1992, whenever it was that it came out. So I did not think that you. To it. Yes. I don't know. It was. A, it's a very, very like deeply black uh-huh. album. I think yeah. is kind oh, of fair yeah. to to say. But Prince's humor, the dirtiness and the humor throughout it, uh-huh. is unmatched. Right. Um, so for us as a podcast, we haven't covered this NPG album yet. It's kind of paired with Diamonds and Pearls is sort of how I see it. Although okay. it's like in this in between land between diamonds and pearls and the symbol album, but it's a classic Prince Prince vocal. It's so underappreciated. 
the album is like almost unheard uh-huh. and practically impossible to to find now if you want to actually acquire it, uh-huh. especially the first version of it that included a track that was later removed because it had an uncredited sample. Oh. So the version that we have uh-huh. from 1-800-NEW-FUNK was first pressing oh, sweet. pre-legal action that uh-huh. uh, made, gosh, what song was it? Yeah, so we bought it, or I bought it, as soon as it was released, not knowing anything about it. I remember my college next door buddy roommate was totally, I could not believe how into this album he was, and he listened to it all the time, like just absolutely loved it. So the version of it that we have was the first pressing, the second pressing removed the track Guess Who's Knockin', um, because it had a sample or borrowed heavily from a Paul McCartney song. Oh, okay. So when it was pressed again, which I'm a little shocked that it got two pressings, Yeah, uh, that song was removed altogether. So we've got a little lucky there also. Cool. It did have a mostly inter- instrumental version with a clean version of the chant that was released as... Mm-hmm. NPG in this funky house on the opening day of the NPG music clubs, musicology download store. So. Yes. We've got that laying around on a hard drive somewhere too. Yeah, It's got an almost country feel to it. It's very like laid back kind of country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so did a lot of like segues on the album. Sure. The beginning of black MF in the house, uh-huh. you know, it's like they're disrupting a, a good old boy gathering. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, Johnny kind of continues that. Just great guitar and piano during the drum intro as that's going on. Mm-hmm. As the as the song starts. Yeah. Johnny's his phallus, in case you're wondering. Oh yeah. He yes. sings it um in person, I uh-huh. mean, in, in character. That's right. I should say. Yeah, and his, uh, yeah, it's responding to a granny. Yeah. <laughs> telling you, come on, song's so dirty. <laughs> But I really like that the last word from each line gets uh, some bandmate emphasis. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was just really fun. Like every, the last word of every line. It's just like yeah. it needs a little punch. Yep. So somebody's they, helping out. They gave it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but even in this horn dog of a song, <laughs> he wants a relationship. I don't want to do you until. I spend the time to school you on the fine art of romance. Oh, yeah. That's right. So it doesn't have to be a long-term relationship. He just wants more than a one and done, so to speak. But he also wants it in the back of his BMW Z, which I think is a relatively <laughs> small vehicle. <laughs> well, he's a small person. That's true. Yep, yep. 
for sure. It's got one of the best Prince concert chants ever made, and it simply goes, oh, 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 oh. Yes, the so, call and response is delightful, so you get the, laughing. And, yeah, you, there's a cackle version. Uh-huh. Of, <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd hits it perfectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're reminded we're in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Atlanta. you forget. That's right. And he gets the uh, feeling funky, funky fine in there, mm-hmm. too, which was a line off of... Another song on that album, Deuce and a Quarter, that's part of the chorus, the feeling funky, funky, fine. A little bit of MPG in the MF and House. Mm-hmm. Very Come fun. On. <laughs> and, then, and then we get a little fun crowd interaction. So he says, there are many fine musicians from Atlanta. Raise your hand if you play something. And I don't mean bingo neither. Mm -hmm. Atlanta's the home of some fine musicians. Where are the fine musicians at? Which is very fun. And then somebody yells out, he asks them what they play. We and think. Or did he like just frame someone? I don't, I don't know. But yeah. they say they sample. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. says, that's like playing bingo, brother. <laughs> what you sample? <laughs> this is the part I was mentioning up front that some of the the way face down and part of jam of the year was performed is was sampling. Uh-huh. At 4 minutes and 18 seconds he makes a very big point of saying this is not Memorex this is live. Uh-huh. This is not Memorex this is live. Okay. Which it is but it's live with some with embellishment. Embellishment, yeah. Sure. Sure, sure, but um <laughs> And I, he said, this is not Memorex. And I'm like, well, really, kind of really nothing was. <laughs> because Memorex had filed for bankruptcy in October of 1986. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, but they had a successful advertising campaign, though, sure. of it's not live, it's Memorex. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so he that's, of course, what he's referring to. Right. Um, now, they didn't completely go under... But they had limited their products. They became less widely known. In 2006, the brand Memorex was sold to Imation for $330 million. What? For and what reason? I don't know. But they wanted to buy the brand. It was like, like I think of Memorex, and it's that dude sitting in the chair, uh-huh. really low hung yeah, with the blown his, out, yeah, his yeah. hair blowing from the sound. Uh huh. Great yeah. ad. Yep. But just a decade later, 2016, the brand sold again to a small company in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, you look sad. For nine point four million dollars. Holy mackerel! Well, it took a big loss. Yeah. Ah. Uh, so, but I got curious about the Memorex, so <laughs> I went and looked it up. So you get to learn about it, too. Nice. Yeah. Uh, he gives you a little great balls of fire 
call out at four minutes and 55 seconds. I don't know. Just Prince did not play Johnny live a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of small crowds he would play it for. And um, I think I'm going to have to go listen to the studio version after this <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> he name checks the venue, Atlanta, Atlanta. Live, yeah, which I thought was it. fun. Yeah. This is the end of the first encore. So it wasn't actually part of the main show because there's a long bit of cheering at the end of this. And that leads us to the second bit of the encore. I feel all right. Me too. It's actually part of Sleep Around. Yes. Sleep Around was played and then I feel all right kind of was a segue at the end. Um, We'd already heard Sleep Around performed live on the Oprah Winfrey show. Sure. This was a great example of just a jam, some improvisation, and Prince in complete control of the crowd and like commanding them to have fun and Mm -hmm. being able to keep them on their toes. And the more tightly they respond, the more excited he gets. Yes. This Uh, is a James Brown cover from his 1967 album, Live at the Apollo. Right. I went back and listened to that just to check it out. Yeah. I I knew it was a James Brown song, but I hadn't listened to it in forever. Uh, Obviously, Prince is doing his own thing with it, and it's a little faster than Mm -hmm. like the James Brown kind of a little more leisurely pace, I guess. Sure. Yeah, this whole thing is an exercise in audience and the audience paying attention. Yes. And they do it marvelously, marvelously. Yes. Prince gives them, you know, he's going to, he instructs them. Mm-hmm. Tells them exactly what's going to happen. That's right. Yes, he tells them uh, how many times they need to say, huh? Yeah. Hey, hey, I feel all right. And then he tells them the number of times that they are to say, huh? And, then and they do a say, good job. Huh. Uh-huh. I'm going to say, yes. Yeah. And then you're going to say, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to show y'all what to do. I'm going to say, hey, hey, I feel all right. And I'm going to say one time. Yeah, he gets the audience to do it like a bunch of times. He does. One yeah. time, three yeah. times, five times, seven times, ten, ten times, times even, and they all they hit they it. They do it. It's they amazing it. how quick how easily you can count to ten without saying the numbers and just saying, huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's uh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Are we up to ten yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wondered, I'm going to say no, but I was going to ask if you recognized at a minute and 27 seconds, there's some horn samples that come straight from one of Christy Norman's top five, maybe top three, maybe top two Prince songs ever. What? The Good Life, Big City Mix. horn sample and you can hear it twice in this song and you hear it at the end of the good life big city mix oh it's at one minute and 27 seconds and it's also at two minutes and 33 seconds this kind of flourish of horns um that i thought might be a sample of something else because the big city mix is full of samples of other stuff but i think it's an original prince horn arrangement super cool no i didn't notice that now i'm gonna have to go listen to it again 
Yeah, and this you mentioned this a little bit, but you know it's near the end of the show because he asks if they're ready to go home. Yeah. answer is always no yes nobody's ever ready he never he never got around to doing a tour called prince with rhetorical questions but (laughs) he essentially did that show every time he got on stage Uh yep yeah and then he reverses it right now you're gonna sing to me now and the crowd sings to prince Uh uh-huh i feel all right three times and yeah it's really cool turn around Gets them to respond with the magical number of seven. That's right. Of mm-hmm. course, seven. Uh, so that brings us to my last selection of what essentially is really the Love for One Another charity tour with a little bit of official release live music and after show songs sure. episode. Sure. <gasps> <gasps> I got the feeling. Uh huh. Another James Brown cover. Like you said up front, I chose this because I went back and revisited the entire after show where you and I were with another friend of ours at Cafe Hollywood mm-hmm. in San Antonio back on August 8th, 1996. So it was a truly jam of the year tour, mm-hmm. not love for one another charities tour. Right. Um, I went back because we did not have great seats in the Alamo. I mean, they were okay, but we were far away from the stage. We, we were because we panicked when we called Ticketmaster for tickets and it was busy, busy, busy for like 20, 30 minutes. And so we panicked and ended up buying them from a third party, Yep. which we shouldn't have done. Then we did go to see the show in Austin later. Mm -hmm. And I had friends at the work where I had been who'd bought tickets for the San Antonio show, got good seats. Yeah. They said, I just kept redialing for an hour. And then I got, you know, my much better seats were half the cost of yours. And I was like, yep. Well, we have to try again. So we did. That was fun. I remember that very well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Alamo Dome. I thought there were more than this because um, the place holds like sixty thousand people. Yeah, so there was like twelve thousand people there. Yeah, it was about like, thir- Yeah, a little little less than thirteen thousand. I remember it being like kind of half off. Right. And there wasn't. That was like the only large venue in San Antonio really at, at that the time. time. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I remember it ended, and we heard somehow oh, that they they yelled it. We're gonna keep going again. Oh, it was over the it was over the PA uh-huh. system. That's right. Yeah. So and we so, drove out there. Yep. And this show started at one fifty five a.m. Yeah. So it was actually show. the wee hours of August 9th. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same band. Um, yes. That we've seen and heard with the addition of Dougie Fresh. Yeah. Yeah. He does a fun. He he calls Mr. Hayes as playing the organ. Yeah. Not the keyboards. The mm-hmm. organ. Uh, he calls Mike Scott the Reverend Scott. Yeah. Yep. A lot of times he did that. I thought he, a nice little fun local flair in his intro of Loco Cat Dyson. Yeah. A little Spanish flavor. Mm-hmm. Back up on the drums, y'all. Kirky J. Kind of gets a lukewarm cheer, but 
not as lukewarm as Dougie Fresh got. Right. I mean, and he introduced Rhonda Smith on bass as well. Right. And then Dougie Fresh. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Or like, well, I mean, he was fine. It's like a hype guy. Um, and to take the pressure off of Prince having to like be the star of the show. Sure. Um, you know, he was playing music. Right. Yes. Then he says the hip checking girl yep. is Camellia. And that's Camellia Woolfolk. She's from Washington, D.C. She was the daughter of Gwendolyn Woolfolk, also known as Vinnie Barrett. And she was a singer, songwriter, and her biggest hit was. Love Won't Let Me Wait, sung by Major Harris in 1975. Okay. A lot of airplay, very high on the charts. Uh, Barrett wrote an unreleased song, Love Never Has to Say Goodbye, for mm-hmm. Prince in 1997. Yep. So that's how oh, cool. Camellia knew Prince and was dancing on stage. Interesting. I do not remember her being no, there at all. No, I don't all. either. Not at all. No. I do remember before the show started, we were there, everyone was there, and we were like exhausted already. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sure I was. And we were off to the side, and there was a little like green room uh-huh. slash offstage prep room that the entire band, including Prince, walked in, and we could see it all. And everyone's like, oh, don't don't get caught looking back there. Uh-huh. Like, whatever. I'm yeah. going to look back there. We're, well, we were looking, but we were all trying to be real Super quiet. Super cool, yeah. Prince was eating grapes. Yep, yep. That's that was, what I remember. That was really cool. It was really cool. Then he has this little funny bit about his name. <laughs> As he's introducing the band. Uh-huh. He, he says, and I'm, uh, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, he says, I'm your mama's favorite priest. No. What did he say? No. He said, I'm your mama's favorite freak. Oh. And my name, my name, I'm your mama's favorite freak. That makes much more sense. (laughs) (laughs) This just makes me. misheard lyrics with Christy episode. This makes me much more confident over our previously (laughs) differently heard lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your mama's favorite freak. And then he says, just call me your mama <laughs> later on, which is kind of this weird. Yeah. It like, didn't quite come across as funny. He could have just left it with my name. I'm your mama's favorite freak. Mm-hmm. He could have just stopped there. Yeah. He tells us peace and be wild. And then I forgot about the refrain that Dougie Fresh gives us, which is, who rocks the hottest? The oddest rocks the hottest. It was okay for an an after show. It was fine. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't happen on stage in a big venue. Yeah. Because it was a little forced. It was forced. Maybe, Maybe... 8% 8% cringe, but okay. <laughs> okay. All right. And that is all of the music that we're going to talk about today. 
So we choose three things. We choose the time capsule, something that exemplifies the time period of which we're talking about, the sea, the low point, and the mountain, the high point. Correct. So these are my rules. So I go first. The time capsule for me is the San Antonio after show because we were there in particular and there he's got that funny bit about his name and the time capsule for me was also the after show and especially Prince saying I'm your mama's favorite freak because Uh I remember him saying it at the show even though it was like three something in the morning yeah Um, it was quite late it was late and And the people behind the bar were ticked because they were like these people please please <laughs> yeah yep too bad yep too bad uh the c for me was that the jam of the year face down nyc live single didn't get a commercial release because it was really fun and well edited together and very enjoyable and could have been you know i could see jam of the year getting airplay if it had been released as a actual single through charting venues and whatever. And it just made it hard to get to hard to get. So it was expensive and you had to call to get it, which you could, you could do, but you had to know to call. And if you couldn't afford a concert ticket to go to jam of the year, you didn't have the opportunity to buy it there. So. Yep. All true. Um, for me, the C is kind of tough because I literally handpicked all of this <laughs> yes, for us to cover, <laughs> and I didn't pick anything because it sucked. Uh huh. So for me, the C is got to be the hypocrisy of this isn't Memorex, this is live and a show that's filled with pre-recorded background vocals of uh, singers other than Prince and Prince himself and even horn samples. Cause there was not a horn section on this tour. Also. Um, I mean, yes, Steve Parks, Jeep did step in to play horns at one point, <laughs> yeah. but, um, that's the only part I had not really a problem with, but kind of made me go, come on, man. Uh, maybe, maybe that was part of what he found funny. Sure. Um, so maybe I'm being a little too harsh, but, um, I don't make these rules. <laughs> no, I did. But the mountain, mm-hmm. uh, man, I love me some sweary, delightful prints, and uh, the live version of Face Down is it for me. I knew that that would be your selection, yeah, um, and it is also mine. Oh, okay, like his complete inability to not interrupt himself, <laughs> and the whole play that mfing bass chant. Uh huh. Um, that is one of the downfalls of, you know, the no swearing rule that he would develop not soon, not long after this, um, to not be able to, you know, Uh chant like that anymore and have him appreciate it. It was just, um, it was, it was a fun, fun chant. Yeah. I miss it. Me too. All right. What are we going to talk about next time, Josh? All right. Uh, next time we are getting real close to the end of our emancipation coverage, but First, we've got to back up just a little bit to November 12th, 1996. The Emancipation Freedom Concert was an eight-song show to celebrate the album's release at Paisley Park. It ended up getting aired on MTV and VH1 and BET, I want to say. Oh, cool. uh, With the same band, but this was kind of the big celebration of the release of the album. And, of course, was live. There aren't a whole lot of surprises on it from what we've already talked about, but I think it's important to 
touch base on before we can call Emancipation a closed book. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening. We know you make a choice when you listen to us. We don't just come on the radio. So we really appreciate you electing to put us in your ears while you do whatever. Drive, walk a dog. Slap your neighbor. (laughs) Hug somebody. (laughs) I don't think that's what he says, but okay. Rate and review wherever you get podcasts. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for sticking with us. So you want to say that? So you, now that you've looked it <laughs> up. <laughs> now that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. He does. Yeah, I looked up. Was it actually Martin Luther King Jr. Day on the 19th of January? And I didn't make note of whether it was or not. But I remember I looking it up. It up. I'm going to say, give me the hypocrisy, the uh, hypocrisy. I'm going to say, give me the. <laughs> I just can't. I don't even know what words you're trying to say. I'll Hypocritical? say Hypocritical. Quiet. <laughs> half a, half a, half a, what? <laughs>